Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today you can hear my interview with Jeff Brown. Jeff is currently on tour with Casey James. Also, for close to 10 years, Jeff has been the drummer behind the powerhouse guitar player Reeves Gabrels. Since his move to Nashville, Jeff has been tirelessly navigating through the music scene with many credits to his name, as well as creating his own projects that include expanding his home studio and developing a video jam session called The Player's Din. To find out more about this podcast and other podcasts we've done in the past, go to workingdrummer.net. You can find us on Facebook as well as Twitter and iTunes where you can subscribe to the podcast. Here's Jeff Brown. How's that? Hello. That's good, man. All right. That's good. So no, you don't drink coffee. What's wrong with you? Uh, I just never have. Never like the uh, taste. <laughs> Even the smell. It just uh, not. I, I can't. Sm- and the good thing is, I don't have a good sniffer, so I don't really smell it that often. But if it's a strong, you know, coffee bean smell, it's like, oh man. I was wondering about that. Yeah. Um, well, man. Uh, first of all, thanks for opening your home. Absolutely. And uh, I want to take pictures of what you have here, but I also want to take pictures of your yard and your house. Cause it's, <laughs> Absolutely. Cause I don't know what that has to do with any of this, but it would be... A- <laughs> it's all part of... It's the whole package deal. The <laughs> the yard and the it, basement. Well, uh, you know what? We're still talking about... Because I just came in to your house mm-hmm. and, and I'm looking around and seeing what you've done the, with the basement. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you're done, doing down here because it's it's awesome. Well, it's, it was a happy accident, really. We uh, it, The basement was an empty cinder block, you know, regular cement floor basement. And we had it like that for a decade. It was just storage, basically. I did play drums down here, but, you know, it was loud and oh yeah, the sound bounced everywhere. And right. it was obnoxious. Uh, so about... Three, four years ago, we decided to renovate the basement, and we did the kitchen and bathroom upstairs, too. But uh, we, I drew it all out on a graph paper, oh, wow. gave it to uh, our contractor, and he made it a reality. And we were going to uh, soundproof it and all that stuff, but it would have taken away, it would have taken away half the basement. Oh, I know. So we just kind of like, let's just build it the way we want, and you'll have a place to play. And we lucked out that it sounds good in here. Like, I can record drums down here, and it sounds great. Oh, that's awesome. Um, There's enough weird angles and and bizarreness. What kind of uh, projects have you been recording down here? What um, what have you done? There's a guy named Paul Zografi, who I did, um, and he, he was great. He just... Gave me tracks. Uh, yeah, what his, was the process? I mean, how did that start? What was the? What did he deliver? Yeah, he had. Um, I just want to say he delivered MP3s with a click track. So it was his voice and guitar, mm-hmm. and said, "Do what you want with it." Okay. And and most of it was pretty straightforward. You could just, yeah. you know, it, it was obvious what needed to be played. And then others were like open for interpretation. So I uh, I took liberties, and luckily he loved it. He was like, "This is perfect." And was it, did you give them multiple options or, you know, I know that that sometimes when people have tracks like that, they'll say, okay, here's three different versions of this song. Yeah. There was one that I did that, but I ended up just giving him one. Okay. (laughs) This is what I want to be represented. This I think sounds the best, Yeah. but, and I told him if you don't dig it, then I can give you these other ones. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But he loved it right out the, yeah. Out of the gate. So, uh. And the sounds were wonderful. I mean, and he just wanted the raw track. So I just had to have 
really good drum sounds tuned, and then I handed it to him, and then his producer, okay, uh, like so raw tracks. You mean no like effects. no effects, no EQ? Yeah, I I just it's straight up drums through the mics. Wow, and it was great. Well, through my preamps and stuff, but you know it was no very little. Okay, processing. Okay, um, I know that. Uh, that we don't we're not always afforded that luxury when we're working with a producer or a certain engineer mm-hmm. and you're like i think and they're like it's fine yeah and so as a drummer sometimes you're like this is what i want to go out this is what i want people to hear yep and uh if uh, a fellow drummer hears this it's they're gonna think oh that's kind of cool but most of the time a producer or a songwriter or whatever, it's serving its purpose. Yeah. You know, I guess it's just good to have that ear. So maybe, but totally. I, from what I understand, and I haven't done uh, any home recording myself, uh, but I know that the challenge is making decisions mm-hmm. and knowing when to say enough is enough because you can labor over it and over it. Absolutely. And uh, actually, I listened to the Nick Buddha uh, yeah. <laughs> podcast, and I totally identified with him where you, uh, after you listen to it, you're like, oh, maybe I played it too safe. I could have done oh, yeah. some other things like yeah. that. And um, and there's been some things like, oh, maybe that feels just a little over the top. Maybe I should have backed that off a little. Yeah. So there's choices you have to make, and hopefully the more you do it, you make the right choices. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, but there's always that kind of second guessing afterwards. Yeah. I think that, I think it's just being mature about it and understanding that what is the role here? What am I trying to accomplish with this particular project? Yep. Uh, uh, depending on if it's a songwriter or if it's an instrumental kind of thing or whatever. Yep. Um, and you, you just have to support the song too. That's the right. the main thing. It's because right. uh, I've heard some tracks or demos mostly where you, you hear the drums. You're like, is he even listening to the same song? Is that- right. <laughs> I don't think that's what I would have played at all. So you, you kind of have to make sure you're playing the right thing for the right in the right spot, not overplay, not underplay. I worked with a, a, a songwriter about ten years ago, and um, she gave me, excuse me, she gave me uh, her produced CD uh, with. She's like, okay, we're gonna do this. Is before people were passing around MP3s, right. so I was handed a stack of a short stack of CDs, essentially. And uh, she said, well, there's three songs off of my CD that I want to play. And then there's some uh, demos or some kind of early production songs on these other CDs I printed off. So I listened to the produced CD, and it, it just it was great. It felt good. Um, a couple of the uh, drummers on that CD, I, I recognize the name from other albums they've done, major label artists that yeah. they've done. I'm like, oh, I know this guy. Oh, this sounds really good. And it was straightforward, but the feel was great. Yeah. I just had to capture the feel, essentially. Yep. So I moved on to the other songs, and they were, um, again, that it was that kind of uh, early production of the next CD or whatever. And I didn't recognize the players, and that has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. But I think what it was, was the playing on it was was good. The The player had facility mm-hmm. at chops but what he was doing didn't necessarily fit the song and i had a hard time interpreting the song or playing it it just didn't come naturally to me yeah. as far as learning and charting the song for the gig as it did the other and i i think what it was it just reminded me that 
I don't know where this player was uh, in in life and work and whatever, but um, I I don't know if he was trying to prove himself or prove his ability. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just had a hard time relating the drum part to the song. Absolutely, I've had that a lot when I've had to learn um, songs for different artists. They'll give me you know fifty songs to learn, <laughs> and uh, and there'll be you know two or three that just the drummer's doing something you're like man that doesn't feel natural to the song like you're saying yeah. and uh then you have to make a choice too do you do you change it mm-hmm. just enough and will that make the artist happy or is he fell fallen in love with this yeah. you know this track yeah. now because he's heard it so many times yeah. so yeah that's a weird thing um and i think there is some of that probably trying to prove himself you know everyone's trying to make a name for yeah, themselves in the studio yeah. but that's not usually the right way to go about it but going yeah. back to nick's point i mm-hmm. don't know if that i guess it's straddling that line because nick buda was saying could i have taken a, a risk a little bit to kind of show maybe how i can make this song a little bit more exciting mm-hmm. um uh, it's not about showing off what you can do on the drums it's how do you add to and that's a delicate balance. Yeah. There was another thing. I, this is this is about Jeff Brown today. This is not about me. <laughs> no, that's all good. No, no. <laughs> but uh, well, it brings up great points because, uh, yeah, do you take risk? And like uh, Butis said, uh, you know, Steve Gadd wouldn't make it in Nashville because he was so creative and out of the box. Yeah. He like I'm not hiring that guy. He's <laughs> he's not playing. Yeah. Even though he's playing for the song. Yeah. He's. It's so outside the box. They want to hear something more. It is. It natural. is natural. Yeah, and his. That's a great example because he is. Uh, I mean, it, there are simple parts yep. that he's performed that are iconic, as well as the complex parts that he's performed. Absolutely. You know. Yep. Um, but they all fit. You know, in a great. Right. You How know, does that okay. work? And, yeah. And exactly. The, the only uh, the other time I, I heard something, it was uh, I was complicated story about an audition gig that I had and uh, the, the songs I had to learn uh, Manu Kache had played oh wow and so there were some crazy <laughs> fills and stuff like that and uh, <laughs> part of my job was to help them find a drummer for this particular artist yeah so I had to be the drummer when there wasn't one to audition and then sit back when there was a drummer to audition and help the artist decide you know or just input yeah but uh, I thought it was really interesting uh, that I was like, who played on this? Because there's some cool fills. Like, oh, that's my new cache. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh, that explains it. Unbelievable. And then I think the drummer they end up hiring uh, blew through all those fills and played it straight ahead. And as a drummer, I was like, you know, I don't know. And the singer was like, I like that guy a lot. And again, I was brought in for my expertise, mm-hmm. quote unquote. And I learned a lot that day. Yeah. And thought... That's amazing. I had a an interesting uh, audition once where I got there early, so I could hear. I heard the other guy auditioning, and I was nervous and all this. Well, I heard him, and he's he's not even playing the right part. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I got this. I've, yeah. I've got this thing, <laughs> a confidence level through the roof. I'm like, oh, I I know this song better than he does. Don't finish the story. Uh, call in yeah. and let us know what you think <laughs> happened with Jeff's experience. It didn't end well. Actually, it did. It's funny. I didn't get the gig, but got a call the next week. Said, hey, that drummer can't make the first few gigs. Do you want to play him? So I still got some gigs out of it, but I didn't get the full time gig. Well, which is kind of funny. 
I, I think we've heard that before. It's like, how do you create a vibe? What's the feel? Yep. You know, and uh, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's been going on, man? What you been doing? Man, I've been uh, out on the road with Casey James uh, for the most part. And then also Reeves Cabrels when he's in town. And uh, if you don't know Reeves, he uh, he used to play with David Bowie. And now he's uh, with The Cure. And I and do all his solo David work. Bowie or the Cure. Then I can't help you. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I do all his solo records and tours and all that stuff. So, which is a blast. Cool. And I want to get into more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell me about the current Casey James. Yes, Casey James, uh, country artist. Actually, it's blues rock, but he's got a country deal. And uh, that's a blast. Mm-hmm. We've been on the road. I've been with him for about a year and a half. And uh, I joined right after he was on the Taylor Swift tour, and uh, I joined right after that. Sadly, <laughs> his drummer quit right right after that. Yeah. Um, but it's been a blast. It's great. It's fun. It's rocking. Okay. Um, it's fun to play. So his new single just came out called "Fall Apart" about a month ago. So we're waiting for that to hopefully climb the charts and okay get more gigs out of it. And what's the setup when you're working with him? Uh, what's the uh, the band setup, and or is there tracks? Uh, yeah, it's funny. We uh, there's five of us. Um, Casey plays guitar, great guitarist, uh, bass, drums, keys, and a second guitarist. Um, and we started using tracks uh, just about six months ago, maybe. And uh, they're so the bane know. of my existence. I hate them, but. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, we use them yeah. only on like seven songs out of a you know twenty song list. Okay. But okay. Um, the you know and it runs again. It could be just a tambourine track. It could be vocals. Could be pedal steel or something that can't be covered on stage. I see. Uh, but so it's not too intrusive. There's no drum loops or anything like yeah. that. But that's the challenge. If you're running tracks for part of the show and mm-hmm. not the whole show, they can't be too invasive because then. The audience notices a big drop off when the tracks aren't there. Definitely, and we had that when we first used them. Um, you know, we could even hear them from the stage with in ears on. It's like a background vocal would just pop out. <laughs> like, oh, hope the engineer <laughs> catches that. Yeah, and ours are all on separate tracks, so the front of house guy can mix it properly. It's okay. not just two track, you know, out to the front of house. It's right. actually like seven tracks okay. out to him. So, okay. but uh. Yeah, it's a bit of an acrobatic thing back there, you know, pressing uh, the space key to start the track, and then the very next song, you got to switch to the the metronome for the ex, you know, next song, and then, you know, make sure you stop the, the track. Oh, okay. <laughs> stuff like that, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and make sure you know where one is. That's the worst. There's been a couple <laughs> where the track's... There's some gremlins in the machine every so often. Um, I even had the other day the songs in one sixteen, and the click track somehow. I mean, I must have pressed something. It just one, didn't happen. Uh, on one sixteen BPM. One sixteen BPM, yeah. and so the song was in one sixteen, and suddenly the click was in one fifteen. Uh, so you know, halfway through the song, all of a sudden oh, there's no. some crazy latency stuff going on. I just had to dump the track. And turn on my other metronome. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. And so I had to go in and fix that in Ableton Live, and which is an easy fix. But it was like, how did that happen? You know, I was going to ask what program and Ableton. That's yep. that's really weird. I mean, that is used a lot. It really is. And I am a novice. I mean, not, I can't even be called a novice. I literally learned the bare minimum and yeah. <laughs> loaded tracks in. And yeah. Um, but it works. I mean, it's a workhorse for sure. Were you given that responsibility to load the tracks? I was. To- 
it was. They we went to a studio and actually built the tracks like twelve hour day building the tracks, uh-huh. um, and then I had to dump them in um, Ableton and clean them up, kind of put them where they would all line up. So all the background vocals were on one track, you know, um, would all line up for the front of house guy. Um, and percussion would all line up for every song. So that was the hardest part about it. And then just learning how to, and one thing mistake we made was we put a gap in the beginning. So I, you know, every so often if you'd press, you know, the space key to start it, um, one would start right away. Well, if you miss that one, you're off. So I always put a, I asked the engineer, Hey, let's put just a second gap or something. I see. <laughs> well, that gaps ended up like three seconds. So you press oh, play and no. you're waiting. Oh, oh no. And you're like, click. Okay, finally. Yeah. And so there's some lag time. We're yeah. trying to figure out timing to, you know, when to well, and that's, turn it on. I think that's a skill that I don't think we've ever discussed so far is that uh, if there's a set show, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think a lot of us have worked with artists that say the same thing every night before a song and the same set list. And so there's a flow, there's a program. And yep. I think there's a lot of people don't like that. Um, yeah. I, I, it's almost like, to me, it's like a, uh, a Broadway performance. Yep. You have your lines, you have your show, and it's about uh, fine-tuning the show from beginning to end. Yep. And as the drummer, you hear certain things. Like as soon as the singer says, in 1976, this song, you hit click. Yep. You know, and especially Absolutely. if it's tracks and you've got the count in. Yep. And now you have the three-second lag. Yep. And exactly. Three. So you got to account for that. Does he have a set script? He doesn't. Or? It's funny. If we uh, do a three-day run, yeah. he might say the same thing for those three days. But the following week. Totally different. So yeah, yeah. Um, unless there's been a couple times where he said, hey, when I say yeah. inspiration, yeah. you know, that's when you press it. Yeah. And uh, but he interacts with the crowd a lot. So if someone distracts him, yeah. he might start talking back to the crowd and then timing's off. Then I just have to wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's even more lag when he's done talking. Then I have to press play. And so you kind of have to read minds and usually it goes fine i mean the audience would never know it's just dead time to us on stage feels three times as long oh i know you know i know well and we've talked about things that we we don't always consider uh i think on an interview not too long ago we were talking about uh count ins Mm -hmm. and how that's one thing that we don't practice and yet unless it's i mean if you got a click but even at that Yep. You know, the count in being strong and matching the tempo that you're going to start the song in. Yep. I mean, it seems silly, and you're like, well, yeah, of course. But no, if you practice everything but maybe that, which starts the band on a solid footing, it needs to be rock solid 100%. Totally. Absolutely. And I think interacting with technology, whether it's you're using just a straight-up click track Mm-hmm. or uh, you're using tracks. And uh, years ago, I was working with a band that used an iPod for tracks Yeah, when they were first starting to be Absolutely. used. And the old iPods, sometimes there was a delay because we weren't using tracks in every song and you had to stop the iPod. Right. They switched to Ableton later and it would stop and I wouldn't have to hit stop anymore. That's cool. So I don't know if that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's so many things Ableton can do. I can probably press play and program it to stop at you know a certain point. 
yeah you know from automatically and but it's one of those things that I think is is something that we now have to take in consideration totally as part of your laundry list of chores yeah it's it's part of the toolbox now it's uh you know it's another instrument on stage that you have to control and yeah. I remember back in two thousand and four I think. I was playing with uh, Jenny I think Foster. It's twenty odd four. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I was playing with uh, Jen Foster, and we used tracks, and it was like a hard disk, full hard disk recorder oh, yes, we brought yes, out, yes. and I had a remote to it. It was like a Fostex. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was crazy. So I had a, a remote that controlled the hard disk recorder, and mm-hmm. um, that was some crazy stuff. And that if. There was extra guitar parts and stuff, and if so, if the guitarist on stage was out of tune with the oh man, that was that was a nightmare. I can go back even further. We had a boombox with a cassette tape of string tracks. That is old school for a trio that I was working with. Actually, Mike Jackson, my yeah. producer, was part of that trio, <laughs> and uh, no in ears. Nobody had any of that stuff. Yeah. And we're talking lush string tracks through a wedge. Wow. And you had to keep... And as soon as you hear the chord change, you're like, that's where you knew where one was. Right. And luckily, it was a slow ballad. And you don't think anything about it, because that was just the thing. And we were just excited just to have it on, and people thought it was so cool yeah. that we had That's a track. huge you know, production now. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> now it's like, I can't hear enough of the click and balance that out with the... That's awesome. ...with the thing. And I think some people, they're wired that... I mean, not to use that term but i mean they're wired that way where they like um to mess with the technology mm-hmm. and um I, i'm not necessarily that kind of guy yeah i wish i was more technically you know proficient and had a more interest in learning all that and i really will i have to you know because yeah. the job evolves and i have to but the end product kind of, does pay off because you're like it oh does. that sounds good that feels good it does. Although I'm old school, I like playing with Reeves and even with Casey when we're when we're not on tracks, man. There's there's something about it where you can stretch out. If he wants to take an extra round for a solo, you can. If you're on tracks, you can't do it. Right. right. I know there's a way on Ableton you can do yeah, that stuff, but yeah. that's beyond yeah. our expertise now. But like when I just love watching a band play. Yeah. Even if it's simple, you know, it doesn't have to be a jam band or anything, but mm-hmm. just a band playing together, there's mm-hmm. nothing like that. And if there's extra tracks, it kind of takes away from me personally. Mm-hmm. As a, mm-hmm. And I don't think the audience really would notice mm-hmm. if there's a string part missing, unless it's, you know, essential to it, to the song. Um, you know, if there's a pedal steel part that's missing in the yeah. third chorus, yeah. they're not going to care because they're more enthralled with what's going on right, on right. stage. And not to not to exhaust this subject, but mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, it is um, I think something that's that's and it's an important skill. And depending on who you play with or who you want to play with, mm-hmm. um, it is important to know how to work with that technology. Yeah, we might be getting to a point where the reverse is true, mm-hmm. where maybe a player that doesn't have the click, that doesn't have tracks, that maybe doesn't have the perfect in ear mix, is lost without all that stuff. Because we're getting to a place where that has been part of the landscape. I mean, you said back in 2006, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, but, you know, almost 10 years now, we've been using this type of technology, and uh, you have young players that have maybe been in getting into uh, working professionally now that have known nothing but 
this type of technology. Absolutely. And so say you have an opportunity to work with somebody like Reeves mm -hmm. and maybe the monitoring system is different or it's old school or it's rock and roll or whatever. Uh, and there's no click. There's no this. There's room to move. There's room, whatever. Yeah. You got to be able to listen. Totally. Still. Without a doubt. And it's funny. I've got a funny story about relying on technology too much and even a click. Um, got to play the Opry uh, at the Ryman. Yes. And, um, with Casey James and we we got there we were going to go on second or third it must have been second and uh, someone canceled so they pushed everyone up yeah and so we hadn't even you know been out there yet and yeah. like you're on in five minutes so we hustled down there yeah. and uh, I had played the Grand Ole Opry house but not the Ryman yeah. before so but pr pretty much they bring everything over and it looks the same well I get there and the mixer and their click station, everything's unplugged, and there's no cables. And we're, I'm literally watching the clock on the side of the stage going, oh, man. So I get up, you know, I make sure everything's set, but then I go to the uh, monitor engineer. I'm like, hey, man, there's no, the mixer's not on, and there's no place to plug in my click. There's, you know, there's no headphones, anything. Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, go talk to so-and-so. I'm like, I already talked to that guy. I, you know, he's oh like, all right, I'll take care of it. And so... <laughs> You know, 30 seconds later, some guy runs up with a cable, totally wrong cable, not, oh, no. and it's 30 seconds to go time. Oh. And I just had to go, all right, well, we're going to make it happen. We're, yeah. this, we're live in 30 seconds. So yeah. I put my click down and just turned the sound off Yes, and watched the, the dots. I have a, you know, Tama rhythm watch and we played our two songs yeah. and, uh, but it was, I was freaking out because I've only played the Casey gig with a click. Oh, yeah. Of course, it's fine. It's muscle memory. You know sure, the song. Sure, you listen sure. to everyone. Two sure. songs went great. Felt great. Yeah. No one knew. No one in the band even knew. And uh, <laughs> so it was great. It was like, oh, wow. Okay, made it through. But yeah, if you're, if you're too, uh, you know, if you have to have the click, yeah. you, that could have been a train wreck. You know, you may have started off in the total wrong and uh, luckily, I had the experience and muscle memory to right, to get right. through it. But right. that was scary, you know. It's sure, like sure. <laughs> live well, radio broadcast. And I think that you didn't bring the rest of the band into that. You're like, this is my thing. I'm yep. gonna handle this. Absolutely. And, and uh, did you mention it later? Uh, just I think just the bass player. I'm like, yeah. man, I had no, I had no click. I, he's like, what? It's like, oh, it felt yeah. great. And I listened to the broadcast later. Like, oh, can't even tell. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like every other time we play it. And Casey was like, "Man, it felt much <laughs> it felt better, really good tonight." <laughs> oh, good. That's great. <laughs> I do this video series. I've done one episode so far, but it's called "The Players Den," and it came from wanting just to play with my friends, like I did back in high school. Right, right, and, and so you just play. Yeah. And there's no mention, like, we, there's no, what are we going to play or what chords or, mm -hmm. we just start playing and it's a jam. It's a totally improv mm -hmm. and it builds from there and it's, it's pretty cool. It's a... No, it's players. Din. D-I-N. What is that? That's like a cacophony of noise. A din is just like oh. atonal noise. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I thought it was a clever... Yeah. twist on <laughs> okay well I, I mean it would be like a video blog i mean a yeah podcast is, is a yeah. blog it's an audio blog yeah so, i mean it's it's that and you've done i wanted to ask you about that mm -hmm. um because you've done one episode yeah 
And what's the plan for more? Or? The plan is for more. Um, the The hardest part right now is just scheduling players uh-huh. to come in. You know, we have to do it during the week because everyone's on the road. Mm-hmm. And the premise is all my side musician friends, you know, that yeah. play with whoever. Um, and and then editing has been taking – I've got to streamline the editing, uh, mm. get it down to, you know, filming. It's it. We're here for like four hours and we film like four – jams and we eat and drink and have fun and you know it's a it's a total hang yeah um but it's just getting it edited down and my friend steve cook who plays bass with phil vassar he's been filming it and editing it for me um so we just need to get a couple more in the can and put the episodes up and what was the impetus for this idea i uh i lost a gig and uh i was totally upset it was one of the first times I'd ever lost a gig that I yeah. thought was great. Um, and I was kind of like, man, I got to be in a position where I can play offense and not defense. I, where someone can't just let me go on a whim. Yeah. You know, I, w- I want to have ownership and yes. uh, kind of <laughs> guide my own destiny, if you will. And so I was thinking of random things. And I saw an episode of Live from Daryl's House. Yeah, which is awesome. It's yeah. just incredible. And a friend of mine is now playing guitar on there, uh, oh. Shane Terrio. Hey, Shane. Um, <laughs> uh, but I saw an episode. I'm like, man, I wonder if I could kind of twist that and just not have artists, just have side musicians. Yeah. Um, and we just do our jam. You know, we'll just film some stuff and see what happens. Um, and we could fall on our face, you know. But we all do it in sound check. We all do it with you know, friends around. So it's a natural thing. Um, so I just kind of, I was actually driving to California to Nam show when I came up with the idea. And so I had three days of driving of just trying to think of it in my head, how I can make it work. And, um, it was cool. And when I came back, we started, I think I came back, uh, like first week of February from California and April, we were recording a show. So, you know, that's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. I, I, so much of that is happening where I think people are using technology to kind of have control of their creative outlet. Yep. And um, I think it serves so many purpose. It serves, it meets so many goals as far as uh, giving you a chance to have control yep. of your own work. And share it with everyone. And now we have this multimedia platform to share this information and to show people what we do, what yeah, we can do. Definitely. Um, and I think it's cool because you can, you know, uh, some people may just know me as a country drummer. And a, mm-hmm. I'm so much more than that. So this is a way I can show that. And same with all the other players. Yeah. Um, and a lot of us are frustrated rock guys. So you want to, yeah. you know, hey, we can let loose and just play whatever we want. Right. Or if someone wants to play a Latin tune, we'll play a Latin tune. Or, you know, it's yeah. there's no rules. Yeah. It's just whatever you want to do. It, it did open the door for me to interact with you mm-hmm. more so than I had in previous years. And I think we've known each other a little bit through mutual friends and yep. mutual musicians that we've worked with. Mm-hmm. But when I saw you post that episode, I thought, that's a cool idea. I really I really like that. Cool. And Thank I you. like the idea of saying, look, this is what we did when we were kids. Yeah. This is what we did that excited us when we were younger. And I think a lot of times that gets lost. Definitely. As you get deeper and deeper inside of the business and you have to contend with 
so many other things uh, that have nothing to do with music. Yeah. And um, so you get burned out. Yeah. And life can just get in the way. You yes. get married, have kids, stuff yeah. like things get yeah. in the way, and you all of a sudden you're not playing for fun. It's just yeah. suddenly it's a job. It so. becomes a job. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess it was it was twofold it, when, I, uh, when I saw what you did, and I thought, I like that idea. That's creative. Um, it sounds great. It looks cool. Um, and then I also thought the idea behind it mm-hmm. to kind of – I don't know, reinvigorate. Absolutely. Thing. I hope it inspires, you know, that's cool. I, I want yeah. I want it to inspire people to, to, I mean, I would do that without cameras rolling, you know? I would exactly. just invite my friends over to play. That yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And and you learn something too. Yeah. And you'll try, and you'll take risks. You'll uh, try stuff that you normally wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that just pushes you. Yeah. And if, especially if you can't pull it off there, when everyone leaves, you'll you'll work on that thing that you were trying to pull off, oh. and you'll get even better. At least I do. It's like, man, there was that fill I felt would really fit there, and I just couldn't pull it off. And yeah. then start working on it. And that can expand to something totally different in your playing. Yeah, you know? for sure. So for sure. I love that stuff. It's inspiring. Tell me about the Reeves. Uh, Gabrielle? Uh, Gabrels. Gabrels. Yep. Okay. Um, he is awesome. He's virtuoso. His guitar playing is crazy. It's manic, yet he can play anything. He can slay you with speed and then like make you weep with a ballad. It's crazy. He nice. he's just can play anything. And you've worked with him for a while. Yeah, I met him actually through Jamie Rubin, who owns the Family Wash. Uh, they used to play in a band together in Boston. And yes. uh Reeves went through a divorce and Jamie convinced him to come to Nashville from LA. And, uh, so Jamie was trying to, Hey, I'll, I'll play a show at the family wash. So Jamie thought of me, I don't know why, but I am flattered and super happy he did. Yeah. But February of 2006, I played a show with Reeves and I've played with him ever since. That's great. Pretty cool. That's great. And, uh, yeah, he's, it's really fun to play. And it's just a trio, uh, Kevin Hornback plays bass. Yeah. And, uh, it's it's a blast. I think I played with Kevin maybe twelve years ago yep. or something like that. Kevin's yeah. played with a lot of people. He's okay, so probably <laughs> yeah, it's probably true. Everyone listening has probably played with Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> everyone knows Hornback. <laughs> um, and what kind of shows are you guys doing? It's mostly small club shows. Um, you know, just random stuff like that. We don't get out as much as we'd like. We did a European or a UK tour last fall which was a blast. We did 12 days in the UK and it was amazing. Um, played every night. I think we had one day off and it was stellar. You were oh man. It was just amazing. Cause then you, then you get telepathic on stage by show five and six oh, yeah. and it's totally Kevin's the glue. He holds it all together. Yeah. And then Reeves is over, over the edge off the deep end. And I get to kind of play off both of them, mm-hmm. which is great. So he's, Total freedom, you know. I, I've told people this before where uh, playing with Reeves is why I started playing with drums, if you will. Like that total freedom to play whatever you want, whatever comes in your head mm-hmm. and go for it. Mm-hmm. And of course, with experience, you have, you edit yourself. You know, you're not just going to blow through, you know, you're not overplaying. Sure. But 
you know where you can get away with stuff or what's going to accent great with his guitar. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a very reactive player. So if he mm-hmm. does a run, I'm going to catch the end of that run yeah. with a fill or something or an yeah. accent. Yeah. Um, and that's a blast yeah. to do. So does it become a thing like with certain songs you're like, Oh, that we did that run last gig and maybe he'll do it again. And then it becomes a thing or is uh, he uh, more impulsive as a player? He's pretty impulsive. There are some things that, um, become a part a little bit, but in the solos, it just depends how he feels that night. Nice. And so it can change. Yeah pretty drastically and sometimes you just have to lay back and let it happen and not try to guess right you know just oh where's he going and then then you you can step on his toes exactly you don't want to inhibit the creativity which can happen i've actually done that accidentally before and Mm. felt bad like oh i kind of crushed that solo for you didn't i because i thought you were going somewhere else and he was you know and yeah i mean he never mentions it but i know internally like oh he kind of took a left turn there because i I took a right, he took a left, and it didn't work. <laughs> I think that's the beauty and and the uh, that's the beauty of improvisation. And the scary part is that uh, when it's on, it's incredible. Yeah, and when it's off, it sometimes can be torture. It can be, be bad, but the potential for greatness is there. It is, and that's that's what keeps you coming back. That's kind of the the high of improv right. is you can right. you can because uh, when it works, it's. It works. It's outstanding. And then the audience claps, and you're like, oh, but there's people oh, listening. They, oh, they liked it too. How nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I didn't know you were there. <laughs> um, yeah, and you uh, guys just came out with a record yep. not too long ago. We, uh, Reeves Gabrels and his uh, Imaginary Friends. Um, you can get it at Bandcamp right now. It should be on iTunes and all that soon. And yeah. he's talking about putting it on vinyl, but uh, I don't know the details if that's when that's going to happen. Yeah. But it's a cool record. It's been in the can for a while. We started recording that, I think, in 2010 or 11. Wow. Yeah. And uh, probably took us two years just because we were doing it randomly. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, finally it came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm totally happy with it it's a cool cool record and um hopefully we'll get to do another one soon so and what's your website it's uh jeffbrowndrums.com okay and then you can go to youtube to do the player's den thing if you want right and there's links to all that on my uh, jeffbrowndrums.com so um i just i'm just remembering the the uh reeves's record on your website and Mm -hmm. just seeing the the cover there and and then also remembering how cool your website was laid out. Oh, it, thank just, you. it was really nice. And uh, um, I do a lot of times, and I'm maybe I'm good at getting away from this, I kind of do the timeline thing to mm-hmm. kind of get background on, on players. Yeah. But, um, but we're kind of working our way backwards in, yeah. in, in, in essence. And But one of the things I wanted to ask you uh, was about your website. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times I think... It's hard to put a lot of time and effort into some of those things yeah. and weigh its importance and its relevance. And is this a waste of time? Is anyone yeah. even paying attention to what I'm doing? Um, is it just, is there so much noise? Am I being heard above it all? Yep. Um, I've gone through, I've asked all those questions. <laughs> well, you seem like uh, the kind of guy that I could maybe get some answers from because. Yeah. Uh, if only because I was like, wow, uh, the website looks really nice. It's mm-hmm. laid out well, good pictures. It's, you know, where do you get the motivation? What's your drive to 
Because you've already admitted that you're not good at technology. Well, that's <laughs> very true. And I I have lots of little cheats. Um, but uh, it's funny. I, uh, I've i got friends that I've, I get deals with on internet stuff. But I've at heart, I'll backtrack, at heart I'm an artist. I, I paint, I draw, I do stuff like that. And I felt that having a website could be another artistic thing yeah, yeah. and but i was looking for i even tried to go um i went to classes to go learn oh what's it called basically write code um, oh yeah yeah and there's different i've already forgotten the name of it doesn't matter but uh <laughs> i learned all, bought all these programs did all this stuff and it was a lot of work and yeah. again anything can be learned but it was like a lot more work than i wanted to do mm-hmm. um so then when i first i bought a macbook pro in mm. 2010, and they had iWeb yes. on it. Yeah, and so I just started messing around with iWeb. I'm like, yeah. oh, I could just create my website here. And I had a friend that would, uh, um, what do you call it, host it for me sure. for free. I think he did it for free forever. Um, and so I just started messing around and putting pictures up and content and yeah. and built it from there. And it's evolved. It's totally different from where I started now. Yeah, I understand. Um, but it's. That's how I made it. It was just kind of drag and drop, and right. as I went, it was, out. and it was just, it was kind of like the Garage Band of totally. It, of it was design. It was web design for dummies, totally. And yeah. I'm a dummy, so it would. <laughs> when you go perfectly. to it, it looks fine. Cool. It, no one thinks anything. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it it totally. And the one thing I did recently, I used to have, um, you know, recent, you know, news and stuff like that. Yeah, and that I, I would realize, oh, I haven't updated that in six months. You know, and then it's really no one's going to come to you if like, oh, he doesn't even care about his website. So I've taken away, you know, recent news. Yeah. Uh, I figure Facebook and Twitter can be recent news stuff. I think that's the balance. Yeah. It's like, well, do I spend my time uh, designing this website? And I was doing the exact same thing. Yep. And um, my buddy that was helping me Mm -hmm. and uh, helped me set it up a host and all that stuff. He was saying, man, you've got to put something up every week or every month. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And and so for a few days, I'd be on fire about it. Yeah. And then I'd be out traveling or family stuff would come up. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I do have a website. And I'd go to it. And then it, it just would get behind. Yeah. And and it was stress to, to me that it has to be consistent. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Yep. Facebook has that thing. And as exactly. it is. Exactly. As it has grown, there's that. But I think maybe you, you found this balance. I found this balance. And I think what I, how I look at it is if someone saw me at a show or saw my name on a record and wanted to look me up, I don't have a Wikipedia page. So my website is my Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. Just it looks nice. Yeah. <laughs> but you can go on a page that says highlights. And you can from, you know, basically almost everything I've done – is listed by year, just in a abbreviated. Yeah. Um, uh, that was form. awesome. That was cool. awesome. I like that. I'm I like, thought that was cool, and yeah. I was like, I've never seen that before on someone's site, it's at least in that idea. way. So I'm like, I'll try this, and then yeah. I, I've even been. I went to a uh, side note. I, I went to Kevin Spacey's uh, website not too long ago, and it's killer. <laughs> and he's got something kind of similar where uh, there'll be like a list of years, and you press on the year. And a, another window pops up, 
just gives you a little short synopsis of what happened in that year. And if you wanted more info, you could click another window and get a full bio of what happened. Nice. I'm like, man, that's kind of cool. If you want to so, go down this rabbit hole. Exactly. If you really want to know some details or some dirt or whatever, you can go here. So I'm thinking about adding that to that highlights sure, page sure, for those sure. two people that might be interested. <laughs> But you know, you never know. When so, you give them that option, when you when you when it's all laid out and you have this massive amount of text, yeah. you're gonna maybe drive away people. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. No, I thought it was really nice because sometimes we do things that are really cool, and you're like, man, I want to highlight that. I want to make sure that people know that I've done that or yeah. or, or this or that. Just kind of add yep. to your list of credits. Absolutely. And, and sometimes I forget what I've done. You know, if yeah. someone asks, hey, what are some cool things you've done? And I got to play with Steve Cropper, but I may not think of that if someone asked me. But it's on yeah. that highlights page. I'm like, oh yeah, I did get to play with Steve Cropper. That was awesome. Yeah, you know, it's and they like can see little, when and the timeline exactly, it was, and right, where nice. it laid with your career. And I, I love that stuff. I was born in Anaheim and grew up in Brea, California, where Pisces USA headquarters are. Okay, <laughs> in Brea, California. <laughs> I used to ride my bike to Pisces with a broken symbol and trade it out. When I was like in seventh, eighth grade. Yeah. Wow. It was awesome. So you've been playing Pisces since, since like 84 or something like that. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty nuts. And uh, then they're, you're endorsed. I endorse them now uh, since 2009. I, okay. I, my first country gig, I, I ended up contacting them. It's like, I've been playing Pisces since, you know, 1984, but I've now got this higher profile gig and like, yeah. welcome to the family. They love the story of, you know, riding the bike. And I used to go in there. I knew all the guys in there when I was a kid. And yeah, <laughs> kind of funny. Was it, were some of the same uh, guys uh, there? No, no, <laughs> <laughs> not the guys that I used to deal with yeah. at all. Uh, Cause it had been at least 10 years since I had traded out a symbol in person. So it was, I'd moved to Nashville. So it was, it's kind of funny. also said that you're an artist though yes and do those things coincide as far as music they do um actually it's funny when i was a kid i i loved to draw i drew you know if i wasn't beaten on the desk at school Mm -hmm. i was drawing Mm -hmm. um and there came a time i don't remember how old i was but uh i got accepted to an art school Mm. and had an interview the whole deal like person came to the house and you know, hey, you have to basically it said you need to draw eight hours a day mm. while you're there and, and all this and you won't have time for, you know, are there other hobbies you have? And like, oh, I play drums. It's like, well, you probably won't be able to play drums because mm. you have to draw so many mm-hmm. hours a day. I'm like, and that I took me back. I'm like, I don't think I can do that. Mm. I, I have to play drums. Yeah. And that was a life decision at, you know, very 10 to 12 years old. I was going to ask how old. Yeah, I was pretty young. And, yeah. uh. And I said, well, I, I love playing drums. Yeah. You know, I had no idea that I could make a career out of it then, but I knew drawing eight hours a day is a lot and yeah. not being able to play drums didn't seem. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, oh, that doesn't sound fun at all. So the guy left, didn't go to art school, just kept going to public school out in Orange County. And um, I guess it was seventh grade. I, I started when I was eight or nine. I was nine years old, I think maybe eight and a half when I started playing drums, mm-hmm. um, begged my parents. I was beaten on coffee cans with, you know, spoons and stuff 
to get different. I'd line them up tonally. They were my dad had all these coffee cans filled with different size nails. He was a handy guy, and oh, okay. so they had different pitches. So I'd line them up, high pitch to low pitch, just instinctually. Sure. And do 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 down, <laughs> and I would do that for you know hours, um, playing along to the radio and stereo and stuff. And my dad plays piano and keyboards, not professionally at all, but, um, but there was music always in music in the house. I mean, and every weekend, um, you know, if he's doing yard work or doing a project, the radio was cranked up. Yeah. Classic rock, like nonstop all weekend long. So there's music all the time. Yeah. It was great. Still love it. In fact, I saw The Who last night, and yes. a song came on. I got chills because it reminded me of my childhood immediately. Yeah. It was just yeah. like, oh, man, this brings me back. Yeah. You know, they're playing Bargain or something. I was like, oh, yes. I almost forgot about that. The yeah. Who was in town yeah. last night. It was I, amazing. I, yeah. It was great. Zach um, Starkey. Zach Starkey. Killing it. I mean, he's no Keith Moon, but he's perfect for that gig right now. Yes. He's, he's great. Yes. Drum awesome. sounded amazing, too. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's he had, like, awesome. uh, clear... Uh, DW's all clear, Vista Light, like it was killer. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's it was awesome. Nice. But I digress. Um, so there was always music, and my dad had a huge record collection. So uh, he taught me how to, you know, put the record on and not scratch his records, and <laughs> and then later on mix tapes, and I would play along. Uh, and they, my parents bought me at nine years old a little Sears brand drum kit. In fact, on the highlights page on my website, the very first picture at the bottom is I found the catalog online Holy and moly. copied and pasted that the the picture from the catalog, oh. the Sears catalog. See, so now it's I a little. Go I remember that. I got to yeah, go back. And, it's and, pretty cool. Um, I was shocked. It was like someone had actually you know put that on. <laughs> online the whole catalog from 1983 or something it's oh, like that's, wow that's amazing I, it, yeah that's scary now everything is online i know it's you can find anything wow so they bought me that i beat the crap out of that for a year um and then so they decided well i guess he's still into it so they bought mm-hmm. me like a 400 hundred kima you know like an off pearl brand mm-hmm. uh five piece kit and uh i had i just sold it last year i had that kit Oh wow! Forever, it yeah. got me all through the. Um, they bought it from, uh, oh, I'll forget the name, but the drum shop guy. He said this will get him through high school easily, and I'm, you know, nine, ten years old at this point. He's like, this will get him through high school and and beyond, and it did. I, so it wasn't like a super low end. It was. It was basically a pearl export or a little worse. Yeah, but it it worked. I took care of it. Yeah, and I was I was nerdy where I'd take stuff apart. So I wanted to see how things were. I stuffed it with cotton so the springs wouldn't rattle, and you know stuff like that. (laughs) Yes, all those little tricks. Your parents walked in on you. You were sticking cotton into the. He is. Oh my god. (laughs) He's beyond. Walt, we've lost the boy. At least he's out of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) For now. For now, and. then uh, came junior high, and my junior high had a music class. Mm-hmm. Um, so I joined, you know, I was already playing drums, so I'm like, oh, it's no brainer. I'll play drums in the school band. And we had awesome teachers. Um, there was this teacher named Rita Bovels, um, who was totally, just totally supportive. And that's where I learned to read music. It only my takes rudiments. one. It really does. Yeah. And uh, And I was really lucky, even through high school, all my band directors were ridiculously supportive um and couldn't thank them more uh so yeah i learned rudiments learned how to read music um all that and i think seventh eighth grade i go i want to do this for a living 
I know what I want now okay. and figured it out. Yeah. Of course, I didn't know how you do that. You know, we still don't chat. No, I, I, <laughs> I don't either, but it's crazy. It's like, all right, this is what I want to do. And that's what I worked. And so I think once I got to high school, got in a band, you know, first bands, you playing around and, um, nothing better. I got to play with really great musicians in high school. Mm. It was, I mean, just luck yeah. of, you know, getting, meeting up with the right people. Um, and had great bands, just really fun bands, played high school parties. I got to play the Whiskey A Go-Go and the Troubadour when I was in high school. Oh, wow. Um, cool. It was great. I mean, just a great experience, for sure. Well, working with great musicians is, I mean, part of it, yeah, we get the opportunity, maybe luck, but I mean, if they want to play with you. Yeah, I mean. So they, you brought something they must, to the table that they're Exactly. Like, they must have liked what they heard, so sure. that was great. And uh, uh, so then... I graduated from high school, and I didn't want to go to college, but I knew my parents wanted me to go. And since I didn't know how to become a professional musician, yeah, <laughs> like, well, I'll, I'll go to college. And and I basically took electives. I mean, I didn't have. I went to junior junior college. Mm-hmm. I took like anthropology, history of rock and roll, a piano class. Uh, you know, just like floundering. I'm pieced not pieced it together. Pieced it together. Yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing here. Yeah. It's just to appease my parents. Yeah. Well, halfway through, the singer in my band, his name's Doc Downs, he actually lives here, um, uh, he got a job on a cruise ship, so he was going to leave the band. And I'm like, oh, man. So offhand, I'm like, do they need a drummer? He's like, I'll check. And just on his recommendation, he called the next day, dude, they need a drummer. You got the gig. I'm like, oh, where are we going? (laughs) You know, I was like, cruise ship, where are we? And ended up getting this cruise ship gig for six months. Uh, and it went from Portland, Maine to Nova Scotia, Canada, just oh, back. Yeah. It was a glorified ferry, but they had entertainment staff, like singers, dancers, and a band. And, yeah. um, and oddly enough, we had to come to Nashville for rehearsals. Okay. Um, and, uh, so we spent a week in Nashville rehearsing for this thing, went up to Maine. It was a great experience. Played everything from show tunes, jazz, rock, whatever. It was I was a professional musician working on, you know, a cruise ship. It was a blast. I was 18, you know. It's like, sure. Oh, let's go. It was sure. great. Um, and then the first four months were amazing. Last two months, couldn't wait to get off the boat. Yes. You're like, yes. okay, I've played these songs plenty of times. It's time to go. Yeah. And we had to come back to Nashville because our open-ended flight, return flight, was out of Nashville. Okay. Um, so I stayed with friends that I met on the cruise ship in Nashville and from one of them said, hey, my, my friend's band is looking for a drummer. you interested? I'm like, well, I'm going back to California. I don't, I'm not come, moving to Nashville. It's like the furthest thing from my mind. You uh-huh. know, Nashville, why? Yeah. Uh, it's just country music, right? Right. So, What year was this? This was 93. So I got here on Halloween 93. I arrived back from Maine. And the next day or two... I said, well, I'll go jam with them. My drums are here, you know. Yeah. Um, I'll go jam with them. So you were so, passing through Nashville. Passing through. And on my way back to California, I had, you know, three days here or something to okay. blow off and then go back to California. And went and jammed with this band in their house on Belmont Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And they played all my favorite songs. It was, <laughs> it was a cover band, basically. Yeah. And they had a few originals. And... uh while we're playing like I Am One by Smashing Pumpkins or something, I'm like, yeah. man, I think I could join this band. This is kind of cool. 
you know? Yeah. And they had a itinerary, like they they were set. They, they were, were booked for the year, you know? Oh wow. And it was all like colleges and uh clubs and frat parties and but sure. but it was booked. I mean, yeah. they were they were booked through June and this was November, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like, wow, okay. Yeah. Uh so I called my parents, I'm like, Well, I don't think I'm coming home quite yet. I think I'm gonna you know, and the cool thing about my parents backtrack before I went on the cruise ship, totally supportive. I said, Hey, I think I'm going to take this job. Actually, I'm like, I've got this job offer. What do you think? Yeah. And you know, and they're like, you know what? You can always go back to school. Why don't you take the opportunity yeah. while it's here? Yeah. You know, you're, it's not like I'm studying to be a doctor where I have to <laughs> have all these credits and stuff, but they were <laughs> totally like, you can always go back to school. It's six months, right. you know? Just go for it. And you were 18. I was 18. Sure. And, you know, I didn't have to ask, but they had always been so supportive. And, sure. and hey, they've... Do you have siblings? Or... I have one sister. Okay. And uh, and she's great, too. She She's an actress, she, so she's got kind of the artsy bug, too. Oh, you know? That's awesome. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was crazy. So when I said, hey, I don't think I'm coming home, they're like, all right, well, you can always come home, you know, if things yeah. don't work out. Right. I always had that, you know... And uh, never left. I've been in Nashville ever since. Wow. So basically the end of 93, I moved to Nashville. Okay. Yeah. And so I played in that rock band for till 96. So yeah. end of 93 to 96. Uh, we put out a record and immediately broke up. <laughs> That's usually the way it yeah, works. Yeah, it was awesome. Great guys. So th- those years, 93 to 96, really, I became me. I was very mm-hmm. shy as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very uh, afraid of everything. I, mm-hmm. I don't know why. I was just mm-hmm. a timid individual and shy. I couldn't talk mm-hmm. to people. But I I was fine when I played drums. It yeah. was just interpersonal. So 93 to 96, those guys, they were you know, three, four years older than I was. Mm-hmm. And they brought me out of my shell completely. I mean, even... Like trying new foods that I would never, you know, I was like a meat and potato guy. In you're from Southern California, I know, but I was not that, you know. I just was so narrow-minded, if you will, and uh, they just opened everything for me, yeah. musically, food. Those uh, are just such formative years. Man, too, it was man, awesome. It? Those guys just uh, can't thank them enough either. They're great guys. Um, That's awesome. And uh, Doc, who got me the gig on the cruise ship, moved to Nashville at the same time. So he ended up joining that band I was in at the very end also, which was fun. Um, And then one of my favorite bands in town was called Dreaming in English. I'd seen them many, many times. So my band broke up. It's called Room 101. Room 101 broke up, and two weeks later I joined Dreaming in English. They were making a change, and uh, I got that gig. And that was that's to my to this day it's my favorite band I've ever been in. Yeah. Dreaming English was amazing. We put out a record, did South by Southwest two times, opened for Van Halen and Rush and No Doubt, and I mean we just had a blast. Buck Cherry, wow, yeah, crazy, crazy good times. And those guys are still some of my best friends in the world. Wow. Um, great, awesome. Then that ended in two thousand one. Um, and I was like, well, what am I going to do? Because I was always a band guy. I wanted to be in yeah, a band. Right, I right. love being, you know, the camaraderie. And mm-hmm. But as you get older, you're kind of like, well, all those pitfalls of being in a band. and can be, It gets tougher. It yeah. gets tougher. And are you willing to put up with that kind of stuff? And mm-hmm. so I kind of made a career switch to like, well, I'll become a sideman type yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so started doing auditions and, yeah. and got a bunch of cool stuff. Um 
and then Jen Foster in 2003 was doing auditions, and I got to play with her, and that was great. Um, there's a guy, Spencer Campbell, bass player, best bass player I've ever played with in my life. He played with Cheryl Crow and uh, Toy Matinee and Kenny Rogers and all sorts of people, but killer. Like It's not even like you're playing drums with him. It's it's like everything's happening in the air. It's just and it's wow. butter. Oops, um, it's amazing. Yeah, great player, um, and that changed a lot of things for me because then I started getting recommended for other gigs nice. and stuff okay. like that. Was he on the gig with Jen Foster? He was. He was. Okay. Yep. He was the original bass player. We got the gig at the same time, and then he left about a year into it, I think. Mm-hmm. And then my buddy Steve Cook. Um, who does the video stuff for us now? Yeah. He joined that band. Okay. Um, and uh, that was a blast. How long did you work with Jen? Uh, I guess two and a half years. Okay. Something like that. Uh, um, I, I have to say, uh, I'm a fan. Yeah. Of hers. She's great. Yes. Uh, I used to play. Um, oh, gosh. What was it? it was It was a. I'm forgetting the name of it, but it was a once a month event with uh, all female. Artists, oh, and yeah. songwriters. I know exactly what you're talking about, uh, but I can't it think of it. Used to be at the Bluebird, and then it moved to yep. Third Lindsley, and we were the house. I was in the house band that cool. did that. Chick Singer Night. Yeah, that's what it is, and I think it still goes on. Uh, but I met Jen, and she just did a, a duo thing. She didn't have the band back her up, but even as a duo, I thought, oh my gosh, she's great. Yeah, and I didn't do this very often, but mm-hmm. at the end of the night, I said, I want to buy one of your CDs. And she goes, no, I, you're going to have one of my CDs. Because she knew I was in the house band. Yeah. And uh, I love it, man. Yeah, I, it's great. only one, and I, and I kind of keep tabs on her yeah. from time to time. And I only have that one CD. Yeah. Which cool. one is it? Do you know what it's called? Was it called Everybody's Girl, or is it the one after that? I think it was after that. Yeah. This um, was 2006 or something. Yeah, like probably that. so. Um, but no, she's cool. I, I yeah. need to... Get up to date with what she's doing. Absolutely, she's still out doing. It. She's great. I mean, hell of a songwriter too. Yeah, she's really cool yeah, stuff. Yeah. I felt lucky uh, when we got the gig. Spencer and I, they still had two tracks to do for the record, so we got to play on her on her record, "Everybody's Girl," which is cool. Okay. I played on the title track and then one other, and it was awesome. And that was listed on your website too. That yes, was cool. Yep. nice. Yep. Okay, cool. So All right. that, that that was a blast. Um, Really, really fun. Actually, I have to go back in time a little bit. I forgot. During the Dreaming in English days, um, we had about a month um, off, and my friend Steve Cook, has um, he had a band called King Conga out of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And through a mutual friend, their drummer couldn't – either he left or I, – I don't know if he quit or he got fired, but they needed a drummer for like – 35 dates. I'm like, well, I actually have the time. I can do it. So sight unseen through, again, just a recommendation. Right. uh, Their manager came up to Nashville and picked me up (laughs) and took me down with my drums. And we had one rehearsal and off we went. And we did 35 dates, you know, broken up a little bit. But uh, it was a blast. And Steve is one of my best friends in the world, uh, the bass player from that band does the video for Players Den, and we play together as much as possible. Um, and then fast forward, so I did 35 dates, we kept in touch, whatever. Yeah. 2001, they were doing a USO tour, and their drummer couldn't leave the country. <laughs> and uh, so I got the call, and I got to go do a USO tour in the South Pacific for 22 wait, days. Wait, 2001? One. 
was right it? after 9-11. It was Christmas after 9-11. Oh, okay. I was um, there in April of 2001. Yeah. In the Middle East. Wow. For USO tour. It's an amazing experience. It is. It is. It's crazy. And uh, that was life-changing, too. It, it can be, man. Um, it was really impactful. And, uh, and again, just a, an amazing experience. But uh, so then uh, came back, and my buddy Steve, that band ended up, calling it quits a year or two later and then when spencer left jen foster steve that bass player came and played with jen foster okay. and uh then we played in a bunch of bands so up to this point mm-hmm. not to cut you off yeah, but no. it seems like uh you haven't mentioned anything about auditions necessarily for a lot of these gigs it was maybe the jen foster an jen, audition? jen foster was an audition okay. and that was my first well actually my very first audition which i totally sabotaged um i a friend because uh, even the cruise ship they're like yeah no audition just hey your buddy says you're good you must be good you got the gig so that was crazy you know yeah. um so my first real audition was for tanya tucker okay in like 90 i don't know 95 96 i, I don't really remember the the year um and uh i totally walked in you know there's guys in cowboy hats and totally <laughs> And I walk in in shorts and a backwards baseball hat and a T-shirt. I'm totally not taking it seriously. So I and not even consciously. I I, I didn't mean to sabotage it. But after I left, I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I really. I mean, I don't look like any of these guys. And not. But I did the audition. Didn't get it. Um, obviously. But. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was a a learning experience too. Um, right. You know, like oh, you know. You should really take this stuff seriously if you're going to do it, well, you know. And I, it may have been nerves. I, it may have been subconscious that maybe I didn't want a country gig, and I don't know. There was psychological things going on. I'm sure. With auditions, that. you learn so much, and uh, we're contractually obligated to mention George Lawrence in every podcast. <laughs> Hello, um, George. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember um, again another one of those conversations with George, and he's like, "Take every audition you can." Yep. Even if you don't want the gig, because you just learn so much. Absolutely. It's true, man. Yeah. It's true. I have actually gotten gotten other gigs from an audition I did just because I did like an audition and Billy Nobel was on the on the thing and he ended up recommending me for like three other auditions and then got a gig just on his recommendation somewhere down the road. Just from playing one audition with him. Yes. I mean that's incredible. Billy's awesome. Billy is awesome. Yeah. He's he's a connector, yeah. for sure. He's yes. one of those guys that yeah. he's. I love his playing too. He's just yeah, amazing. Great musician. Yeah. Um, good listener. Good singer too. Yeah. Yeah. He's killer. Um, cool. So, um, where were we? Because we we're after Jen. Yeah, and, after uh, Jen. Um, there was a band that got back together. Oh, you did the USO date. In oh yeah, that was two thousand one. Um, and then I kind of floundered. I just did a bunch of singer-songwriter stuff for anyone and everyone mm-hmm. just around town. Played the Bluebird, played you know, Third and Lindsley, played mm-hmm. all over town. Whoever, you know, showcases. Mm-hmm. Were you working then, enough to, to, to I was actually working. Full-time? I was actually working at Sportsman's Grill in the Village. I was a busboy. Okay. Sure. And they were so great to me, too. They, uh, I worked on and off God, probably 10 or 12 years there. Yeah. Um, and if I went on tour... Cool. We'll see you when you get back. Yeah. No, I mean yeah. there was no, 
no big deal. It was yeah. great. They were super nice. And I only worked three days a week or something. You know, sure. it was nothing. Right. Um, but it was just enough to pay rent. And yeah. back in those days, my rent was like, you know, 125 bucks or something. Because oh. we had a band house, you know. It was like okay. split it five ways. And What was this, 1968? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. And then when I moved out on my own, like the highest I ever paid in a band house and stuff was like 225 250 ever. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to broke up with a girlfriend and moved to my own apartment and all of a sudden I'm paying six fifty, seven hundred bucks. I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. And then you start the hustle, you know, okay, I gotta really if I want to do this for real, I need to really go yeah, and do it. Yeah. Um so let's see, where was I? After Jen two thousand let's see I guess in I was living over in East Nashville in 2000, 2002, I moved to East Nashville and um, started to meet, you know, like Jamie Rubin and all those people in in town and then got the Reeves gig in 2006. Okay. Um, and I was actually on um, on the road with Reeves Gabrels in the fall of 2009. Uh, we were doing like an East Coast tour and I got a call from my buddy Steve Cook again. <laughs> And he said, hey, he was playing with Bucky Covington at the time. Right. And Tom Hurst was the drummer. And uh, he said, hey, we're thinking about making a change. Are you interested? And I'm like, man, I just don't know if I want to do country. I've avoided country since, you know, 93. Um, I just didn't know if I wanted to do a country gig. Because I was a rocker at heart, wanted to be yeah. in a band, you know, everything. But you know what? Can I wear a backwards hat? Yeah, and you know. T-shirt and shorts. It's like, how gig? strict is this gig? And, <laughs> and I said... I can't play with cowboy boots, man. <laughs> exactly. But I ended up going, you know what? Yeah, why don't you send me music? I'm interested. But I can't... I'm finishing up this tour with Reeves, um, so I can't be there until, you know, two weeks from now or whatever. Okay, we'll wait for you and everything. All right. So... Um, I had like three days to learn the music when I got back from tour. And uh, I don't know. We had a low-level rehearsal here with just the band without Bucky. Okay. Um, they came over the house, and we just kind of tapped through the songs, made sure, you know, here's the you know the first three songs. It's bang, sure. bang, bang. You know, sure. you can take a drink after that and then go, you know, it's like, yeah. here's the show. Um, and the first show was opening up for Darius Rucker in front of 5,000 people. It was yeah. like trial by fire and it went yeah. great yeah. so i stayed with bucky for about nine months i guess but your buddy was in the band he was in the band and so there didn't need to be like this and audition had, slash hey, rehearsal exactly just gonna know his stuff he's yes, gonna learn it. he's gonna learn it he's, let's just talk about the pace of the show and exactly like that. yeah and that's all it was it was like you got the gig now don't mess it up it's yours to lose gotcha you know so if sure. you if you screw up the show then you might not have this gig so it was high pressure but but good and uh, and it went great. Um, and also, m- another friend was in the band, Jeff Cease, who was the original guitarist in the Black Crows. And now he's with Eric Church. But uh, so the three of us were thick as thieves. We just had a blast on that nice. on the road. It was great. Um, but then the spring of 2010, um, I'm friends. I play with this guy named Patrick Davis, and his wife Virginia is a manager, um, and she was managing Steel Magnolia. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had just got signed. They were on the TV show, Can You Duet or something, and right. won. And uh, again, through Patrick Davis is saying, hey, this is your guy. And I knew nice. Virginia. Hey, do you? she was trying to take Steve, Jeff, and I all 
be Steel Magnolia's band. Oh, I see. And so we went and played with them the whole thing. And Jeff and Steve ended up not wanting to go, but I, I went. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was Steel Magnolia's original drummer and played with them for about, I guess eight months or something like that mm-hmm. it was a blast we were on the brad paisley tour yeah um yeah. just fantastic that was one of the best summers 2010 awesome. was an amazing summer um met you know, got to hang out with ben caesar all summer oh, it was like yeah. a drum clinic every night i just sat oh, with his drum tech chris dowis every night and just watched wow. it was amazing it was That's great that was a great summer yeah. uh, and a lot of great drummers on that um uh Florida Georgia Line. Sean is uh yes. he was playing with yeah. Justin Moore. Okay. Uh then and uh Ty Smith, Chris Kimmer, who's with Thomas Rhett now. Mm-hmm. He was on there. It was it was just an awesome and Jeff Marino with Darius Rucker. Yeah. I mean awesome. it was it was awesome. It was a great summer. And Brad would sit in with you. Guys. Yeah, he would sit in and right. it, God, it was great. It yeah. was it was just a fun nice fun summer. Um but so Steel Magnolia, I ended up doing that May through December, I guess, basically. And then I played with other artists for her, like filled in. Eden's Edge was actually that audition that I thought I was going to get because the drummer before me wasn't cutting it. Yes. And and I didn't get the gig, but I did their very first show in front of like 200,000 people in Detroit, the Detroit Hoedown. And then their video premiere, I played that also. So I did a few shows with them from that audition. Um, So that was fun. That was cool. Um, but that's an interesting thing, though. I mean, you know, it's like, well, I didn't get the audition. And I, it comes, I came to find out it was because they went to school with him. They knew him. They knew the hang factor, yeah. which is so important. Yeah. Um, and I was unknown. I was just yeah. recommended by their manager. So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, you kind of want, your, I get it. You kind of want your own guy and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, you know, and I think that's everywhere. I mean, people say uh, there's this good old boy thing mm-hmm. uh, about Nashville, and I don't know how true that rings anymore as the scene is growing and diversifying and there's people coming in from all over. Yeah. I don't think it it's the way it was maybe even in the 90s uh, with that. But there are, there are times when you will uh, – lose a gig to somebody uh, based on the relationship that's there. And yeah. You, yeah. You can't, you can't let it drag you down. You just kind of have to learn and grow from the experience. Yep. The worst one for me, which I had to really learn from, um, I had the Thomas Rhett gig. I was his first drummer. Mm-hmm. And uh, out of the blue, it was like, hey, TR wants to make a change. And I was like, we've been out for six months. We, everything seems great. What? Yeah. But, and it turns out, and a friend of mine got the gig, Chris Kimmer. And um, yeah. it was just kind of a, uh, I had to realize you can't be the right guy for every gig. It's just you're you're. It's just not going to happen, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and for a variety of reasons. For a variety of reasons, and yeah. also, um, you know, I'm actually happier that I'm not in that camp. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love those guys. They're all sure. friends. They're yeah. great. But um, I'm glad I I came out healthier afterwards. Like, oh, yeah. I think I made the right choice, or yeah. you know. I was forced into the choice, but I'm glad. It- well, and I think at the time it can sometimes be a tough pill to swallow. It is. Like, oh man, what just happened here? Yep. And then in hindsight, yeah, because you have to learn how to deal with that. You have to go. Th- we all go through those kinds of things. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And if you 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 can let it drag you down, or you can. Yeah. Well, because you can take it personally, like, well, because I immediately go, was it my plane? You know, like, mm-hmm. what did I do wrong? Or you know, mm-hmm. and it could have been. I mean, it could have been as simple as I didn't twirl my sticks. It could have been. Yeah. I didn't smile or, you know, it could have been all that stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, we were all totally cool hanging 
on the yeah. side. So yeah. I had to go plane wise. It must be plane. Yeah. Um, but who knows? And again, yeah. I've, I'm at peace with it. That is like, you know what? Just I wasn't the right guy. Right. And that's right. cool. That's that's OK. Right. Because somewhere along the line, you got called and exactly. you got hired or you replaced somebody because you were the right guy. You exactly. You were the right fit. Yep. For this particular Definitely. gig. Yeah. So those gigs are out there. Yeah. It's just I didn't get the audition for that all girl rock band. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, maybe I didn't smile enough. Yeah, it could have been. It could have <laughs> been. I, did, I know your skirt was short enough. <laughs> maybe that was it. Too short. <laughs> I got this one gig. I won't mention her name, but uh, I got this gig. Actually, it was another one of those. I went on audition, didn't yeah. get it. A week later, I'm on vacation with my wife, and hey, um, we changed our mind. We want you instead of who we hired. <laughs> He's just not working out. I'm like, okay, well, I'm on vacation. I can't be there. You know, they wanted me the next day. I'm like, I'm in California. I'm sorry. I, yeah, right. I'll be there in a week, week and a half, or mm-hmm. whatever. I'm like, okay, cool. So I show up, and basically for a year, we rehearsed. For a year, three days a week, I think three days a week for a year, and paid, you know, paid great, paid great. So in town gig for nobody. Yeah, sure. But it got that was nuts. You know, it was like three days a week we're at SAR. (laughs) It was amazing. Um, Super nice people. Yeah, band was rocking. Yeah, and I think we played two shows in a year or however long it was. It was amazing. Unbelievable, but that got me through until the next thing came yeah, along. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, all right, well, here we wow. go. Yeah, it was crazy. I'd never experienced that before. Wow, that's amazing. Is she still out? Uh, actually, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. And you know, sometimes those things uh, do happen. I mean, you've got uh, maybe a, a young singer with some financial backing. Yep, and. Uh, you have management or you have investors that really don't have a clear concept of music business and promotion. And yeah, true. The music industry is evolving and it's mm-hmm. been going through some insane changes in the last 10 years. Yeah. Even. And so it's hard to know where do you, how do you develop an artist? How do you develop a band? How do you get those out there? So, but because Nashville is one of uh, just only a couple music meccas. Yep. You're gonna get that group of, uh, or you're gonna you're gonna get that type of person that's gonna come in and be spending their time here doing artist development or recording, mm-hmm. or just kind of floundering about and not yeah. knowing and just not like, why isn't somebody picking this up? Why isn't yeah? When are the when are the gigs gonna happen? When is it's just like yeah. it doesn't work that way. It doesn't. There's no formula. I think. You're right. There's no formula and there's no wrong or right way. But there, you know. There's a wrong way. There is a wrong way. There is. <laughs> and that was a wrong way. Um, yeah, it's it was amazing. The check's cleared. The check's cleared. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. I, it, that was a good year. I mean, I was home. My wife's like, are you leaving anytime soon? <laughs> yeah. When are you leaving? Yeah. If I'm home too long, she's kind of like, really? Yeah, You're still here? I should have called you, man. You could have been out on the road and I stayed <laughs> home with my kids. Um, so funny. Oh, so... Uh, but I want to back up because one of the things I wrote. Well, I don't want to back up, but um, yeah. I want to ask you about. Um, well, are we before we end the timeline? Are we up to what you're doing? Now? Yeah, basically, uh, 
funny story. Last funny story of yeah. where to get the Casey everything James gear. Yeah, everything else serious. Okay, but uh, <laughs> finally something funny. Um, the uh, so I got a call from uh, Brian Fraser, who is Casey James' manager, who is married to Tracy, who I used to work with in the restaurant. Oh, so talk about you know. Be friendly, be nice to everyone because you never know. Yes. And these people are the nicest people in the world. But um, he, they called basically, like, hey, what are you doing? Like, yeah. not much right now. It's like, well, can you do these 30 plus dates at the end of this year? Mm-hmm. Uh, we need a drummer immediately. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm free. It's like, all right, again, three days to learn the tunes. And mm-hmm. I fly to Philly and I put my drums on the bus like a week before and flew to Philly the next weekend. Oh, wow. And, uh, another trial by fire just go yeah and ended up being invited to stay you know it's like i was just signed on for actually they probably i think they signed me on for 19 days because then there was a break if i sucked they could get someone else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um you know it's like all right well you better be good for these 19 shows <laughs> yes <laughs> you yes, know yeah. uh but ended up i did like 35 at the end of the year and invited me on and i've been with casey ever since awesome and it's been great awesome um He's talented, great guitarist. That's I mean, nice. Yeah, it's nice to work with. It's talented refreshing. People. It's very refreshing. That's awesome. Yeah, so that kind of brings us up. But uh, you know, just the the funny part is this guy Brian, who actually got me the Tanya Tucker audition. Okay, he was the band leader for Tanya Tucker back in way back. Yeah, he got me the audition. Then calls me, and my current gig is through him. And that you was know. the time before. When what year was that? That was ninety. Yeah, early early mid nineties was. And, uh, but he had kind of followed along what I was doing. And that's where my website came in handy too. He called, like, do you have a website or anything I can send to Casey so he can look see what you've done? Do you have sound clips? Like it's all there on the website. And Casey went there and said, yep, that guy's great. Let's do it. Nice. So that's where the website, even if two people had seen it that entire month, that one guy, Casey went and looked at it. And that's how I at least got my foot in the door. Right. You know, which is... And then proved yourself in person. In person. Yep. Excellent. That was good. Validates that time and effort. Totally. No, it does. Man, the website does look... It looks really good. Thank you very much. Yeah, because I'm... You know, it's... it's, Right now, of course, we're concentrating our efforts on the podcast website, but then how do we set aside a page for Mike and I to put stuff... Absolutely. somebody wants... Because I don't... I used to have my own page. I don't anymore. Maybe I will. Maybe we'll have a link to it or something Mm -hmm. like that. But it's always trying to balance that. How do you promote yourself in such a way that it's it's working and it's not a waste of time. Absolutely. And rises above the noise when it's needed. And in this case... They just needed to know the link and yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and the material was there. Yeah, yeah. And so that that was golden. That was that That's was huge. Because awesome. otherwise, it's like you send them to Facebook and you know going to someone's page trying to find music yeah. or anything yeah. pertinent. You know that your your family didn't just post a you know Disney <laughs> meme on your page. You know, it's like exactly. So, well, let me ask you about. Um, do you have anything that you've recorded here at home on your website? Uh, I have people? not loaded that up yet, but I will. Okay. But that's a relatively new thing. And you, yes, you call that Shrug Sound. Shrug Sound Studio is what I call the the home okay. recording. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So there's a link on your page that has that. Yes, and you can contact me through email. Okay. And uh, I, is that kind of the next step? Is that it is, and it's. 
it's a scary step only because I am really running bare bones here. I'm, I'm running, you know, through my MacBook Pro to PreSonus eight, you know, I've got 16 channels, mm-hmm. but I've got, I, no outboard gear. So it's all about getting really great drum sounds. Oh. And even when I do Players Den, I take it to my friend um, Roger Nichols' studio, who Roger was in Dreaming in English, my band. And yeah. he keeps me busy with sessions. Nice. Like I do songwriter sessions for him all the time. Oh, that's great. And uh, so I can, as a trade out, I'm like, hey, can you sweeten these drum tracks for me that I recorded at the house? And yes. so he does his magic. Yes. I mean, bare bones stuff, but it just makes it sound good. Yes. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. So now. you're running through a personas. Yep. Into the into, computer yeah. and that's it. And so it's they have to be good sounds at the get go yeah. and then go. Okay. And uh, I've got great audio technica mics and I uh, I'm yeah. slowly building the arsenal. So hopefully I know. it'll but it's a rabbit hole. I mean it's like recording gear and all that stuff. It's oh, just oh, I know. Oh man. I know. And it's so expensive. Growing up, uh, I always, you know, you see all your favorite drummers in drum magazines and yeah. all the companies they endorse and uh, dream of one day making that happen. Yeah. But I, n- I actually never set out to really get endorsements. You know, it was never, I either didn't think it was attainable or I didn't have a high enough profile gig or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it be. Yeah. Um, but my first endorsement was Peisty Symbols. And mostly because I grew up in Brea and used yeah. to go and trade out crack symbols and got to know people and they liked that story. Right. So that was my first, you know, welcome to the family and nice. and all that involved. Um, and they've been super cool to me. I, I love them there. Um, it's great. And uh, then when I was on tour with Steel Magnolia opening for Brad Paisley, yeah. uh, Ben Caesar was with Ludwig at the time. And so Kevin Packard who's now with Pearl, but he was with Ludwig at the time. Mm-hmm. He came out to a show and he caught our set. Yeah. And we just started chatting, yeah. you know, and one thing led to another. It took a couple weeks, but we were chatting back and forth and he basically just said, hey, have you ever thought about playing Ludwig drums? Yeah. Um, like, well, yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like Ringo. Who hasn't? Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> like all the top drummers I grew up with, loved, they all played Ludwig, you know? Yeah. But and of course I thought Ludwig was the most unattainable, you know. It was like myth mm. that you could get in, you know, endorsed Ludwig. I don't know why, it, you know, probably why I had that feeling. But it was like <laughs> I just didn't even think yeah. that could happen. Um, so yeah, I I ended up joining the Ludwig family, and uh, that was in the summer of 2010. So fast forward January. 2011, I was going out to NAM show. I had a pass through someone. I don't remember who. It wasn't Ludwig. Um, but I was visiting my, my family lives 10 minutes from Anaheim. So I was staying with them nice. and I was bored. I was watching TV and I went to In-N-Out Burger down the street from my parents' house. Of course. As and you do when you're in As California. you do. Yeah. You got to do it. The pilgrimage. Um, and in walks all the Ludwig guys. And I'm like, holy crap, what are you guys doing here? And, oh, we're setting up for NAM. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And my parents live right down. So we ate lunch together. And I offhandedly just said, hey, if you guys need help setting up the booth, I am literally sitting on the couch doing nothing, you know, waiting for my parents to get home. I was like, yeah, well, come with us. We'll get you a, a badge and 
come help us. So great. So yeah. I went, I unloaded box boxes and set up drums and whatever they needed, whatever they wanted. And, uh, it become a thing. Now I do it every year. Oh, cool. And yeah. they basically give me credit or pay me in gear or whatever I want. And, uh, they, I love them. They're great. So That's cool. ever since 2011, I've done that. And then I helped out at the Nashville drum show a little bit. Um, when it was here last year, was it? uh, I think it was last fall. Was okay. it? Maybe. George? George will know. <laughs> it was his event. George, are you there? We'll wait. <clears throat> Waiting, George. Ready. Um, okay. He's there. So Ludwig was a big deal for me. That was that was awesome. And uh still feel really lucky that okay. that happened. Yeah. Um, and love their product. I mean, every time oh. they come out with something, I mean, it's just like jaw-dropping the stuff they've been coming. When the hardware came out, I had to have the hardware. It was yeah. amazing. New snare, they're just about to come out with a copper phonic snare drum that is unbelievable it's like nice and dry it's like the perfect yeah. snare drum sound out of the box yeah. like you don't have yeah. to put any uh dampening on it at all it's just it's the perfect snare sound copper is amazing it man. is it, unreal it, it doesn't get enough credit i i'm I shocked maybe it's, maybe it's gonna become a thing yeah it probably will yeah i think it'll be rediscovered as you know the great metal to use but yeah um who knows it's it's killer um, Maybe it's because there's more copper in underground than any other, I don't know, material yeah. that the earth has. And so people don't give it as much credit. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's so common. Pennies are made from this garbage. <laughs> yeah. Why would you want a snare drum? <laughs> it just tarnishes. <laughs> it sounds great. That's not the point. Yes, exactly. It's crazy. Um, but so that was good thing. Ludwig is, can't say enough. Um, and then I met this guy named Nick Ruffini, who actually has a... A podcast called Drummers Resource. I'm sorry if that's no, not great. cool. <laughs> We're all drummers. It's a big it community. Is, it is, Just, everyone listens to everything. Nick Ruffini. Nick Ruffini. Drummers great Resource. Yep. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. But listen to all these first. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, he uh, is an A&R guy for a company called Boso Drumsticks. Mm-hmm. And they are um, bamboo drumsticks, basically. Yeah. And so I was totally intrigued. Um, went to lunch with them. And they sold me on it. It was great. I was like, well, yeah, I'd love to try them out. And um, and what's the thing about them? I mean, kind of what's their what's their pitch as opposed to? It's it's kind of funny. They do hickory or oak. Yeah, the the bamboo has um, a little more bounce to it, um, and it's it has two different. They offer different sizes, but uh, they have uncompressed and compressed bamboo, um, and it's renewable. It's a green product. I see. It's so there's you know it's. It's if you're hippy dippy and want to, you know, you know. Well, yeah, you don't have to be hippy. Dippy. You don't you have be to. From Southern California. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> I am. I just like that as green. Um, but it's a cool product. Uh, they're great sticks. They they look like a work of art. I mean, they look like stained. Yeah, they are cool. They really are cool. cool. They've got a stripe down the middle. I use the five B Strata, and uh, they're great. They're about the same size as a Vic Firth Extreme Five B, so it's got a little yeah, little longer Five yeah. uh-huh. B. Mm-hmm. Um, really nice stick. Um, and then I also endorse Drum Tacks. I don't know. Have you used Drum Tacks yet? I have not. I have not. They are cool. They uh, take the places like Moon Gel and yeah. Gaff Tape and all that stuff. They're reusable forever. You can clean them with uh, alcohol, and they're like new. You can put them on another drum and. And they don't and have Keo weird... uses them yes. too. Yeah. yeah, I have to check those out. They're great, really cool. Okay. And J.C. Clifford 
with them is just awesome. This won't be the first time that they've been mentioned. Yeah, that's good. Here, so good. yeah, cool. Yeah, I'll mention that. They're nice. great. And then random ones like uh, uh, Humesenberg was just a, a random. I I think I called just mm-hmm. to find out about a case, and I ended up endorsing the company it was like it was such a natural conversation and nice. it was really nice and they sent me some great cases and uh yeah. super nice people um awesome. and i love the cases yeah. um and 1964 ears in oh, ears good things about yeah that. they're fantastic i i was worried i used generics forever mm-hmm. just because i'm a cheap bastard but uh <laughs> <laughs> i had sure e5 since the Jen Foster gig, yeah. uh, you know, 2004 or something. Mm-hmm. I just used them and they were great. They worked. Sure. You know, they worked. That's sure. all that mattered. Um, and then with Casey James gig, uh, found out that we could, Oh, we can get a deal on these ears and okay. And they life changing. I mean, I have the, qua- I have four drivers in each year. Holy They're moly. called the Q4 or QIs. Um, the quad, yeah, and God, they are amazing. I mean, and it's a really nice flat response. It's not hyped bass. It's not hyped anywhere else. It's a pretty right. flat that's response. That's the thing that scares me is yep. then you're running something that's uh, EQ'd in the yeah in the headphone itself, and then what are you running it through, and who's mixing you, and exactly all that stuff. Changes. And I'm and I'm one of those people too. I've never liked the butt kicker or any of those things. Like yeah. I don't need that extra. Mm-hmm. Base. I've always had enough in the ears. Even with the generic E5s, it was like, I, I there was great bass response. Right. Um, and with these, it's it's like listening to the best stereo in the world no, in right. your ears. It's just so crystal clear. And, and did you get sound. molds made? Had molds made. Yeah. And, um, and I hear that makes a big difference, too. It does. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first time I'd ever done it. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, you know, six months ago, eight months ago. Yeah, I'd highly recommend it. And 1964 ears also, they're cheaper or less expensive. They're not cheaper. They're just less expensive than mm-hmm. some of their competitors. And I think that's that was a factor too. I, you know, I couldn't drop mm-hmm. 1500 bucks or whatever on, you know. And uh, I think I customized mine and I still paid like 500 bucks, mm-hmm. um, which is still a chunk of change. But compared to right. others, it was like, right. oh, yeah, this is great. And I'm super happy with them. They're amazing sounding nice. in ears. Nice. Um, and what else do I have? <laughs> well, and you don't have to go into the, into yeah. the details, but um, what, what was the uh, microphone company you, you were talking Audio about? Technica. Audio Technica. Um, uh, I like the story. You were, we were talking a little bit on a break um, about you contacted them. Yes. Or somebody recommended that you contact them. Yeah, a friend of mine at NAM at a NAM show said, "Hey, I you're going to do this players den thing. Yeah. Um, you know, if you should to do it right, you should have good microphones. You should call uh, Roxanne at Audio Technica yeah. and just talk to her. Yeah. And she'll she'll help you out. And I had a great conversation with her. Super cool lady. Yeah. And she ended up letting me borrow mics. Yeah. To record the first players den. Yeah. And just awesome incredible yeah. mm-hmm. and of course i had to send them back you know a month or two later but i got to actually hear them hands-on yeah. um in my room right and it was incredible and, and then you ended up making a purchase and then and i then, then i purchased okay, sure. many of those mics you yeah. know i sent them back and then she's like well what do you like and yeah. i ended up buying like 11 yeah. mics from her and yeah. it was yeah. incredible incredible i think i guess where i'm going with this is, uh-huh. is again it's a, 
it's about establishing these relationships with people. Absolutely. Um, and man, I think throughout this whole conversation we've had, you have story after story of different musicians, bands, uh, people in the industry that you've worked with that you keep saying, yeah, and uh, man, we got along great. <laughs> we had a good hang. Yeah. Um, you know, there was this friendship that we, uh, uh, that happened. Um, I've known this guy for years. We worked together. And then out of the blue, he calls me. Man, it's, it, you're it's establishing great. these good working relationships with people, whether it's playing or whether it's, um, with, you know, like I said, within the industry uh, with products and stuff like that. Yep. And that's great, man. It's, and, it is great. And it's, you know, and you never know who may help you down the road. And it's not like you start these relationships to get ahead. It's just you talk to these you meet somebody, especially in the drum community and music mm-hmm. community in general. They're all players. Yeah. They all love music. Yeah. You you have so much in common just mm-hmm. from that basis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard not to get along with people. Yeah. I mean, you got to kind of be trying to <laughs> not right. to get along. Right. right. Um, so it makes it easy to talk to people and um, and friendships. There's people I haven't talked to in years, not mm-hmm. on purpose. Just life gets in the way. Mm-hmm. But we can pick up the phone and. It's like right. no time has passed, and I love that right. part of it. Um, but working so, on the road has its challenges. Does. Uh, for example, you know, as one example, mm-hmm. uh, you know, spending a lot of time in closed quarters, yeah. traveling, uh, being away from your family, uh, dealing with all kinds of things. I mean, yeah, we do have this in common, and it's um, you know, it's great to sit down and it's great to talk shop and yeah. different things like that, and it's. When you travel and you can establish those relationships, I mean, it just says a lot. First of all, I, what I'm saying to you is it says a lot about you. And it, and I think that it has definitely reaped its benefits as far as building upon your resume from Absolutely. one gig to another. Um, and just, you know, you're, you're developing this large group of people yeah. that, you know, this yeah. resources to, to pull from. And Absolutely. It's, it's really and it, it is great. It's a... Uh it, it's funny. It's it's kind of like, because uh, it's not conscious. It just you wake up one day. And it's like wow. If I need something, I can call yeah. any number of people to. Or if you just want to chat, it, it doesn't matter. If you yeah. like, if my wife travels and I'm home alone, it's like yeah. who haven't I talked to in a while? I just want to say hi. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. a great thing yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. And you know, a lot of people don't do that. I actually got. I'm gonna blow a name out. Uh, do you know Matt Starr? Uh, he plays with Ace Frehley, and he filled in for Mr. Big on their last thing. Oh. And we've met through Ludwig. Okay. And we've met each other twice through at NAM shows uh-huh. and stuff. Very friendly. I liked him immediately, yeah. um, all this stuff. Randomly got a call from him last week. Nicest dude in the world. He just, man, I was just going through my phone book and wow. saw your name. And yeah. I, what's going on? And we chatted for a half hour. I mean, yeah. we really don't know each other very well, but we got to know each other on that conversation yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was awesome. And yeah. kudos. And another guy that did that to me was Pete Coatney, um, plays with Jack Ingram. He, years ago, we played a show together, and mm-hmm. I met him mm-hmm. very briefly backstage, mm-hmm. complimented on his playing, yeah. and we exchanged numbers. Mm-hmm. A year or two after that, he's like, dude, again, I'm going through my book, found your yeah. card or your number. Yeah. What's going on? 
Yeah. And you know, I could have blown them off. I could have done anything. Yeah. And now we're good friends. We go have lunch. We go hang out. We go well, see each other time, play. He could have just mentioned or uh, friended you on Facebook or a- made exactly. a comment or things, exactly or something like that. Which is all. I mean, gosh, I do, I I do that. I do, I do it too. Do. I'm guilty of that also. But and but it makes me want to be better. These guys that call. Actually, it was like, man, that's a stand-up guy. I yeah, like that guy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I want to be better like that, too. But yeah, those two examples were amazing to me that it's like, wow, I'm a stranger to them, really. We just, I mean, you know, like, we have, we've met acquaintances, if you will. And then, but then they reached out, and I, I love that. that. That's really cool to me. And it makes me want to do that yeah. more. People I have too. I have people like that. I feel really fortunate. I have people in my life that set the standard high mm-hmm. for me yeah. as far as being a good person, being uh, just, I don't know uh, what it is. Uh, it's not being a social butterfly. Yeah. It's being conscientious of uh, human interaction. And Mike Jackson's that way for me. He's one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another friend of mine, a uh, guitar player, uh, Trey Call, yeah. who uh, works at the Cash Studios here in town. And um, they're just, I don't know, it's just the kind of person that you're just, and see, I can talk about Mike because he's not here right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> I would still do it if he was, but he would have a chance to defend himself. Against what? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's good to have, it's, it's good to remind you because when we're so caught up in trying to take care of ourselves and our own and, and all these things that, yeah. that, um, but no, I mean, that's... Um, well, you can get very caught up and be selfish easily in this because yeah. you're trying to get ahead. You're trying to, yes. you know, but... You're promoting. You're trying to... I mean, yeah, you're the brand. You're the... It is. It's all it, about you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and some people are really good at it. And, and some people are really good at it. And yet uh, you don't feel like they're being overly egotistical. Right. Um they're just they're really promoting themselves and and um, in a in a good healthy way, but you don't feel dis. I don't know. This, yeah, you're right. It's always it's a it's a hard line to walk for sure because there's plenty of guys that you know they're shouting at you all the time. You're like eh, I'm not really want to listen to that guy. And then but the guy yeah. that's more a little, I mean for lack of a better word, subversive about it, if you will, yeah. or just more mellow about it. But yeah. s- suddenly you see his name a lot more. You're like, huh? Yeah. Wow. How's he doing that? I think what it is, is is this conversation has kind of been ongoing and how to promote yourself uh, in such a way that's professional. Mm-hmm. And yet, if you completely ignore it and say, I'm not that guy, I don't, then no one will ever hear you. So yeah. how do you find that balance and do any, and here's the thing, I think it's a new dynamic in the music business right now yeah. because um, the way social media and uh, information technology is that we can get information out there. Yep. And I feel like we've talked about this a thousand times, but still, I think it's just something that needs to be explored. How do you do it? How do you do it in a professional way? Mm-hmm. And I think we're going through lots of changes right now, the way music is being heard, the way artists are, uh, how music is being distributed, Yeah. Um, how people are just getting themselves out there and getting their names recognized. It's, Definitely. It's you know what's funny? Um, this just came to mind that one of the things I don't do as much as I used to is go out and see live music yeah. necessarily. Yeah. But almost, I, I'll, I'll go on the limb 98% of the time. If I go out, you know, that one time a month or one every other month, I go out, mm-hmm. I either get a gig offer, not mm-hmm. maybe not a major gig offer, but hey, I'm playing at Third and Lindsay, you want to yeah. sit in? Yeah. Or I run into you at Exit Inn, yeah. 
you, we talked about this podcast. Yeah. There's there's always something. There's a face-to-face thing. If you go out, and everyone calls it networking, which I guess at its core, that's what it is. But it's really just going to talk to people, going to see people face-to-face. And that's mind. more powerful. We're reminding them that you exist. Yeah. And that you're still alive and that you're still playing and you're still in town. Yep. And it's different than just pressing like on Facebook. You know, it's there's a whole <laughs> other... It's so much deeper, and yes. I love running into people like that, yeah. and and it makes me miss going. You know, before I was married and stuff, I was out all the time. Not that I'm blaming my marriage. I just I love. I'm a homebody. I want to stay home more often. I know, <laughs> but when I go out, it's amazing. It's yeah. it's really refreshing to see. It's tough to do. It is tough to get out. Um, I know some people. That's that's what it, it's. They love it. It's part of their DNA. Yeah. And they're out all the time. They're not. Well, Keo Stroud is one of those I'm, guys. He's the most he's social guy ever. All the time. I love Keo. Yeah. It, uh, it's really. I need to take a page from his book. Yeah. Um, but depending on where you are in life or what you're doing, I mean, I've got kids and, and I'm yep. touring a lot. So when I'm home, not only do I have my honeydew list. Yeah. I just I want to hang with my kids. Absolutely. Because they're starting. It's precious to call me. time. Start to call me Uncle Daddy. <laughs> I've gone so much. <laughs> oh, Uncle Daddy's back. What's your name again? Um, well, man, thanks a lot. You're for welcome. Your time. Um, uh, it was good talking. Um, I, I think we learned a lot about the players. Did excellent. And uh, I want to get some pictures of this the space and drums. Perfect. And stuff. We'll do that. I love it. Well, thank you for having me. This has been awesome. Yeah. Been great. Thanks, man.